Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm Rob Kent, as you know, author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees and the newly released sequel, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People. These two books together are my whole heart, and there's a third on its way. This is a middle grade science fiction adventure uh, with a uh, diverse cast. Um, it's... Um, uh, two books long so far, and uh, working on the third, Banneker Bones, and the untitled third adventure right now. Uh, so if you would, if you go to your library regularly, uh, request a copy at your library. That way you'll get to read it for free, and hopefully somebody else will as well. Uh, if you can't wait that long, the Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees is available now as uh, paperback. Uh, as an audio book, and the ebook is free to download uh, wherever fine ebooks are <coughs> whenever you're listening to or watching this. Uh, so go ahead and download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Get hooked on the series, then come see me with money for Banneker Bones and the Alligator People. Uh, under the super secret pen name Robert Kent, I've written horror novels such as the young adult novel All Together Now, a zombie story, which is about surprise zombies. Uh, and also All Right Now, a short zombie story. Both of those are available as is the Book of David. Uh, the Book of David is a full out adult horror novel. Uh, lots of profanity, lots of violence, anything you could expect in an R-rated movie and beyond. Um, and it is five volumes. It's about an atheist who buys a haunted house and then begins to receive religious visions involving flying saucers. So right, a note, right away, you know if that's uh, something you're interested in or not. If you want to try it out, uh, just get your feet wet. The first volume, The Book of David, Chapter 1, uh, is available to download as an ebook for free wherever ebooks are sold, whenever you're watching or listening to this. Uh, and then the other four chapters are available as well. Or you can just go ahead and go whole hog and get the compendium, uh, which contains all five. So go ahead and check out the Book of David. Uh, as always, to find out uh, what's going on with me, what's going on with the Middle Grade Ninja podcast, head to middlegradeninja.com. Our next uh, scheduled guest is going to be author Dustin Brady. He'll be here on Thursday uh, of next week. And then after that, we'll be chatting with uh, literary agent Molly O'Neill, uh, author Amber Smith, uh, plus some other great guests that we're still getting uh, dates confirmed for. So look forward to that. Uh, as always, if you want to read uh, interviews with literary agents, publishing professionals, and lots of lots of my favorite authors, you can find um, hundreds of interviews available at middlegradeninja.com, including an interview with today's guest, uh, literary agent John Rudolph, uh, who has sat patiently through this entire intro. John, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, Rob. How are you doing? I am very excited to talk with you, and I really appreciate you making time to be here with us. My pleasure. Uh, I always say that there's one thing I'm terrible about. It's summarizing other people's books and other people's biographies. So if you would, if we could begin with just you telling a little bit of uh, esteemed audience, a little bit about your background and an overview of your career thus far. Uh, sure. So uh, I am a literary agent at Distal and Goderich, uh, actually Distal Goderich and Barrett, I should say, uh, DG&D. Um, I have been there... I, uh, I think it's going to be nine years in, yeah, nine years in August. Um, and uh, prior to that, uh, I was an editor at uh, Putnam Books for Young Readers. Uh, I was there for about eight years. Um, prior to that, I was at Simon & Schuster, uh, where I started out as an editorial assistant. Um, 
And that was Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers as well. Uh, so I, I was a children's book editor for 12 years. Um, the long story short, the layoffs hit. Uh, I was kind of checked out at that point anyway from Putnam. So uh, when Jane Distel uh, asked me about whether I wanted to be an agent, um, it seemed like you know a good opportunity, good way to sort of do some different things. Um, and also on the children's side, at least to uh, be able to represent all kinds of authors and illustrators. Um, as you know, when I was when I was an editor, I was uh, sort of getting um, you know pushed to either specialize in fiction or um, uh, you know specifically middle grade actually. Uh, and as an agent, I just I really love the fact that I can represent picture books, YA, middle grade, nonfiction, pretty much you know anything anything as long as I can sell it. Uh, so at this point, my list is um, about I would say sixty five percent kids books and maybe thirty five. Uh, 35% um, uh, adult nonfiction. Uh, on the children's side, I work with most of the author illustrators on our list. Um, and uh, that was actually another really good reason for me to join Distal was that uh, when I started, uh, we weren't really repping uh, picture books and uh, illustrators. Um, and, you know, uh, Jane, to her credit, was, you know, very open to the idea of bringing in. Um, Illustrators to the firm, and uh, you know, expanding that part of our business. So, uh, I rep, I work with most of our author illustrators. I do quite a bit of middle grade, um, a smaller amount of young adult, uh, and then I've been doing the last few years uh, quite a bit of nonfiction at various levels, um, uh, picture book, middle grade, and yeah, even a, a YA, um, a couple of YA uh, nonfiction projects. Um, Let's see, Distal is a, a mid-sized agency, I would say. Uh, we're up to, uh, I think, 15 employees right now and 10 agents. Um, between us, we cover the entire spectrum of publishing, um, adult fiction, adult nonfiction, children's, uh, and anything and everything in between. Um, we, uh, we're based in New York, but we have an office in LA. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the size of it. And for uh, the uninitiated, who are some of the clients that you have worked with and are currently working with? Uh, let's see. Um, uh, on the picture book side, uh, I work with uh, Teague Bentley, um, whose book um, Little Penguin Gets the Hiccups and its sequels uh, have done extremely nicely for us. Uh, they're featured in Target, which, uh, you know, is always a, a, a great boost to sales. Um, uh, Wendy Woman, uh, another picture book author, um, uh, Brandon Todd, uh, let's see, uh, fiction, um, Leslie Youngblood, whose uh, middle grade novel Love Like Sky came out last fall, um, uh, YA, uh, Allison Van Diepen, um, who's been published, uh, you know, for, has had a long career in, um, in YA, she's been published by Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, uh, Scholastic. Um, so yeah, those are a few. And so, uh, well, a couple of questions for you. Oh, okay. um, we'll we'll couple, right? we, we've got time, we'll, uh, we'll fire right away. Well, let's start with this, because I've been, uh, uh, we, we've been kind of getting an overview when talking with, uh, having the good fortune to talk with so many editors and, and other uh, previous agents. I uh, just kind of getting an overview of, of how publishing works 
as a whole. And so one okay. question I like to ask and be kind of demystifying things so that we can get information beyond just staring at a, a page online or in a publisher's marketplace. Mm -hmm. now, how did you get your career started as an editor originally? Um, well, uh, I honestly, I don't really know. Uh, I still <laughs> I don't know why I was hired at Simon & Schuster other than, and this is terrible, but uh, I had a friend of a friend who worked there. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, I guess, good grades in college. Uh, I, uh, you know, I had been, um, I, I, when I graduated college with a, a degree in classics, which is, you know, super useful. Uh, I, um, I actually really, had that same degree, but go on. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, what are you doing with it? Uh, uh this. <laughs> yes? Okay, there you go. <laughs> so it is useful, actually. Um, no, but I, I, I didn't know what I want to do with myself. I realized I thought I might want to go to law school. I realized I didn't want to go to law school. Uh, and I had a friend who was working at Simon and Schuster Adult who uh, really enjoyed it. And, you know, loved the idea that you could, um, you could, you know, actually uh, work on books for a living, read for a living, uh, and. Um, and I'd actually worked a summer at the Strand Bookstore in the city, and um, I, uh, you know, so it was a rough job. I mean, it was it was, it was, it was a lot of a lot of dirty, sweaty uh, work with some pretty creepy people, but um, <laughs> but it didn't, you know, it didn't turn me off totally. And and actually, you know, it, it was a great job in that it, it sort of demystified books for me, and you know, you, you realize that you know, books are are a a they're books are meant to be sold, you know, they're a commodity to be sold and they're a commodity to be manufactured as well. And, you know, when I, when I got into, into book publishing, I really sort of loved the idea of, you know, actually making something physical, uh, you know, as opposed to just, you know, as a lawyer, you know, pushing one piece of paper from one side of the room to the other. Uh, so I, I somehow I got the job and it was in children's. Uh, as an editorial assistant, and uh, at the time, I thought, well, okay, I, I've got my foot in the door. Uh, I'll, you know, do six months in kids, and then, you know, maybe go upstairs and and join the grownups. And uh, I, uh, well, you know, it's twenty years later. I, I I just I fell in love with kids books uh, when I started. Um, this was in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, and uh, interestingly, I, I worked with um, David Gale, who was one of the, the great um, uh, young adult editors going back to the 1970s. I mean, he sort of, you know, created the young adult uh, genre, at least as a, as a sales genre. Um, and uh, but in, in the 90s, the young adult marketplace was so bad that he had actually been tasked with uh, acquiring some picture books. And uh, so we started acquiring picture books. And uh, I just, I just fell in love with with the fact that you know I you could work with artists, um, and uh, you know that the artists who were doing the work were, you know, I mean, artists of the the, the highest caliber. Um, one of the first books that I think I picture books that I worked on with David was uh, John Lithgow's picture book debut, The Remarkable Farkle McBride, um, which was illustrated by C.F. Payne, who is just brilliant, and I mean. His, his his illustrations are like you know Rockwell level um, you know paintings uh, and you know just that 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 opportunity to work with artists just really just blew my mind and um, I stayed in that um, one of the nice things about kids books in those days was 
that uh, assistants tend to get promoted more quickly than on the adult side. So uh, my career moved up pretty at a nice clip. Um, and then also it was, you know, it was when Harry Potter came out. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, kids' books were exciting. Uh, and Simon and Schuster had uh, the Olivia series that started then. And, you know, that was just huge. I mean, that, you know, it sold zillions of copies. Um, they also had uh, all the Eloise reissues. And, you know, that got the, uh, that got our, our publisher on the Today Show. So, you know, at 23 years old and, you know, you're working in, in New York and your publisher's on the Today Show and, you know, you're doing these great books with these great artists. And it just, you know, that, that was it for me. And then, uh, so when an opportunity opened at Putnam to start building my list, I went over there and, um, you know, brought a couple people over. Uh, but really, you know, just start from scratch there and did um, kind of a full list of picture books, middle grade and young adult. So what, um... Uh, what is it that moved you from classics to uh, middle grade uh, specifically, but also picture books and, and, and some young adult, but with this focus on children's literature, um, when I assume you're more than capable of, of working with adult fiction all day. And of course you do uh, with a portion of the, the list. What is it about yeah. middle grade that grabs your attention and you said makes up about 60% of your uh, list? Well, I, I'd say it's more like about 50% is uh, of my children's books. I, I'd say about 50% is picture books and maybe then you know, 30 or so is middle grade. Um, I think, uh, you know, middle grade, well, just so with the picture books, I had studied some art in college and uh, I kind of came to it late in college, like junior and senior year. And, um, you know, I, I, by then I was sort of like, wow, gee, maybe I should have been an art history major. Um, so, you know, working with artists, that, that was a really big uh, thing for me. Um, but with the middle grade, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like I gravitated toward, um, uh, in a, in a big way, sort of the, the plot heavy, um, uh, aspect of it. Um, you know, I just, I, there was something about kind of the, the adventures that, you know, characters in middle grade novels go on. And this, I obviously speaking very, very broadly, right. Um, you know, that appealed to me more, I guess, more than sort of the the inward looking, you know, teen dramas. Um, not that I don't didn't enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, I think, um, and I still do, but uh, as, as a genre to work on, I think it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it appealed to me more. I think also, I, you know, I just wasn't all that familiar with it as a kid. Um, you know, I, 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 I've talked about in my bio before that I wasn't a great reader as a kid. Um, you know, I read a lot of comic books, read a lot of um, uh, Tintin comics. And, you know, I remember reading some sort of stuff like uh, Encyclopedia Brown and, and the Great Brain series, um, you know. But I, I just, I don't really remember, you know, not, nothing of that age kind of stuck with me in the way that, um, you know, that it does for some editors. Uh, and um, so coming to it as an adult, uh, you know, just I, for whatever reason, just sort of struck a chord with me more. So what was it that uh, turned you around as a reader that you went from not a big reader as a child to obviously uh, majoring mm -hmm. in the classics uh, in, in school? Uh, well, um, 
<laughs> one thing about the classics is you know it is you know when you're doing translations it's actually a pretty short chunk of text so you know uh <laughs> you're not uh, you don't have to read these big long books so that you might as an english major um no actually it's, it's so so when i was in college i took a couple of um american studies uh courses and actually european studies american studies um and they were basically great books classes and uh, taught by some, you know, very, some excellent professors who were just, um, you know, were great, but uh, it was a huge reading load. And um, I, uh, one of them, which I took my senior year, I remember, two of them I took my senior year, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the coursework, although you were supposed to read these, you know, classics, you know, I, I don't know, Anna Karenina and just, you know, long, um, I think we started with the Inferno and went through um, uh, early 20th century, um, you know, read some Proust. Uh, the, the only coursework for it was you were supposed to write like a one page appreciation paper every week, uh, you know, or and sometimes the question was, you know, what's what's the best section of this 900 page book and why? You know, well, that that's pretty easy. Right. So I had so when I graduated, I had piles of these you know the classics of american literature that i'd never read and uh <laughs> um as i at, between college and uh and becoming an editor uh be, before between that and simon schuster I, I spent a year living in boston where i kind of had an idea of working in publishing couldn't really find a you know a, a decent job there i mean little brown was still up there at that point houghton mifflin but uh, you know, they they definitely wanted people with internships and experience and stuff, which I didn't have. So um, I had quite a bit of downtime. I, I finally ended up working for a a, um, a journal of cellular biology, which was uh, quite an experience. Um, but anyway, point is, I had a lot of downtime to read. And, you know, when I was that, like doing that, I was just like, oh, this is this is making me happy. Um so, you know, that kind of sort of fed into my idea that, yeah, maybe I should go into publishing because I'm, I'm really liking reading as an adult. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think if, any, if every, like, you know, uh, college graduate could just get, you know, like three months to, you know, just kick back and read, like, the books that they didn't read in college, you know, they might actually really appreciate it quite a bit more. We've just given uh, hope to, I know we've got lots of uh, librarians and English teachers uh, yeah. who listen to the show and they're hearing this, oh, I've got a, a stubborn reader in my class now, but there's hope that that could be John Rudolph. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, make sure that when you graduate from college, you've got a degree in classics and are basically unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be ready and primed to read. Right. All right. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, how does your um, uh, your your early career as an editor now feed into your your literary uh, agent career? What does that bring to the table that maybe literary agents who don't have that background won't have available to them? Well, I mean, I I don't know because I I don't want to speak for for people who go into it you know without an editorial background. I mean, there are plenty of successful agents who don't. Uh, you know, I, I, and actually I, I've, as the longer I've done this, um, you know, the, the more I feel like I've turned off my editorial brain because 
you know, you, you're as an agent, you're serving a very different master than you are as an editor. As an editor, um, you are editing the book for uh, public consumption, um, but also for um, your your publisher, for your sales team, for your marketing team, and you know, um, publishers, whether they're sort of explicit about it or not you know, they, there is kind of this sense of what works for them. You know, um, a Simon and Schuster book might not work for as well for random house. So, you know, as an editor, you kind of edit to fit that, that, um, that mandate, uh, as it were, um, you know, as an agent, you're trying to sell the book. Uh, and you know, so in that sense, you're kind of looking at it much more broadly. And also, you know, I've, just become much more over the years conscious of not stepping on any eventual editor's toes. Um, you know, I feel like there are things I can do to try and make a book more sellable, um, you know, uh, in terms of pacing, character development, working on the opening, uh, what have you. Uh, but, you know, when I, I try to have a, as I, I try and have a, a lighter hand, um, you know, because the last thing I want is to be caught between um, an editor and an author and, you know, have that author say, well, my agent says I should do this. You know, that's that's just the kiss of death. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing I will say is that um, typically on a submission, if we don't place it in the first round of submissions, you know, we will get feedback from editors saying why they didn't take the book. And, and I feel like my background as an editor does help to, you know, sometimes parse those comments and figure out how to implement any suggestions they might have. Um, I also will say on the picture book level, I think just the technical uh, training of, you know, knowing how to lay out a picture book, you know, 32 pages and papers, you know, dedication, uh, the idea of how things should look in spreads, uh, that, that was actually, has been extremely, uh, helpful. Um, you know, and I know that my, uh, some colleagues who have not had that, you know, uh, they'll come to me and ask like, so how do I submit the picture book? And I'm like, okay, here's what you do, you know? Um, Oh, so many questions. One wasn't that jumped out at me that I need to ask yeah. for the uninitiated. Um, you mentioned each house has kind of its mandate that their editors are working toward. And I assume that mm -hmm. you're uh, looking through before you submit so you know whether or not what you've got is more or less in line with that. How can you find out what that mandate is? Where can you obtain that knowledge? Um, experience. Uh, and it's I, I, I have to say, you know, it's not necessarily a stated thing. Um, you know, it's more like a feel that, oh, maybe Simon & Schuster is going more commercial these days, Random House is more literary, uh, you know, there some houses focus very heavily on YA at the moment, um, you know, I don't know, when it was, so for instance, when I was at Putnam, uh, it was, um, uh, towards the end there, it was at, right after um, The Hunger Games came out, and we were just you know, the, the, the sort of word from the top was acquire YA, you know, big ticket YA, because that is what's selling. And, you know, if you don't, don't worry about the school and library market, don't worry about, you know, whatever, just find that next big YA trilogy. Uh, 
you know, um, I'm sure that trickled down to editors because, uh, or, or trickled down to agents because, um, as you know, in, in the in a couple of years, sort of following that, I was getting a lot of YA trilogy submissions. Um, so you know, meeting with editors, uh, looking at their, um, you know, looking at their what they have um, in their catalogs coming out, um, reading Publishers Marketplace, seeing you know, who's been making deals for what, uh, you know, you, you kind of get a sense. Um, it's definitely not an exact science. And um, a lot of it is, uh, is just, you know, hit or miss, just throwing stuff out there and, uh, you know, throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, you know, and that, that's something actually, it's funny, I, I talk at uh, conferences quite a bit about this, is that, you know, um, I, if I just always am encouraging authors to, um, you know, submit, send your stuff in, just send your stuff in. We say no, whatever. There's like 10 more of us, uh, you know, on the same street. Uh, just keep going because, you know, it is not an exact science. And, you know, to try and sort of, you know, hone in on who's looking for what, you know, like I am actually looking for a story about a three-legged dog. Uh, you know, which I am going to sell to this editor because I know that this editor is interested in a three-legged dog story. Yeah, it's just it. That, the the likelihood of that actually happening is so slim that you know, I just it's it's a it's a fool's errand to try and really match up um, sort of one for one. So, yeah. Well, I just heard a hundred queries uh, hitting your inbox right this yeah, moment I'm with sure, uh, stories right. about a three-legged dog. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> So, um, well, how uh, I assume you're you're meeting with editors on a regular basis. The the editors that you're working with, that you're placing clients with. Yep. How else are you meeting editors and and getting a sense for who they are and what they're looking for? Well, I, I mean, one advantage of working for a mid-sized literary agency is that uh, you know we all are very collegial uh, and we all share our our contacts and our information, um, you know, uh, which is, which is one of the, I just, one of the best things about Distal really. Um, and I think something that sets us apart from maybe, you know, some of the bigger agencies who will remain nameless that are, have a reputation for being a lot more cutthroat. Uh, you know, we just don't operate that way. So, you know, we share information, we glean information. Um, you know, yeah, uh, looking, face-to-face -face meetings certainly is the best way to get a sense of an, an editor's uh, sensibility. I typically will ask an editor when I meet them, tell me, you know, about everyone in your imprint and who they are and what they're looking for if I don't know them already. Um, you know, and then again, like I said, Publishers Marketplace. I mean, that's, that's a huge resource for us. Um, whenever I read anything, I always check the acknowledgments page to see, you know, who's the editor that they thank. Um, that's a great way to know uh, who's you know doing what kind of book. Granted, that you know they acquired that book a year and a half to two years ago, so their list might have changed since then. But again, you know, it's just we're we're trying to kind of get a, a, a much more general sense than a than a strictly targeted sense. Um, so yeah, acknowledgments are a, are a huge resource. I, I just I you know love the fact that. You know, if you're reading a book and you like that book, you can see who was the agent, who was the editor. Um, it's it's super helpful. 
think it was uh, Marcus Sehi who uh, said that um, if you get to an acknowledgement section and mm-hmm. the author didn't think their agent, you don't want that agent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Do you, uh, do you have time to read for pleasure beyond all the reading you have to do for, uh, for work? Um, some, not, not a ton. Uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I wish I had more, but, uh, you know, that's what summer vacations are for, I guess. Fair enough. What, uh, what kind of projects are you currently looking for? Um, currently I am looking for, um, commercial middle grade. Uh, you know, I am anything that's, you know, adventure, uh, I really want to find something that's just funny, uh, humor. I know it's the toughest thing, but, uh, as I, I, I think I did a, uh, you know, MS wish list on Twitter, you know, if you can make me laugh, I'll, I'll sign you up. Um, unfortunately <laughs> people have not been making me laugh lately. I, I really, I would love to find some good, funny, funny middle grade, not, not gross out stuff necessarily. Uh, just, you know, funny stuff. Um, I would also, though, love to find a more literary middle grade. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the milestones in any editor slash agent's career in middle grade is winning a Newbery, and I haven't done it yet. So, uh, you know, I want that 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 middle grade Newbery, you know, type of book. Um, I don't, you know, now middle, now Newbery, you know, loves um, historical fiction. And that's not really one of my strengths. Um, I do like historical fiction if it's you know something unusual, uh, if it's a you know time or place that has not been done to death. Um, but you know American Revolution stories, Civil War, the Depression. I don't know. You know, like kind of the, the basic touchstones. I'm I'm not so interested in um, picture books. I'm very much on the hunt for author illustrators uh, still. Um, you know, anyone who can, is a professional level illustrator who can write their own stories. Um, that's sort of how I describe it. Uh, we are not set up to be a full service illustration agency. So, you know, if someone can only do the art, uh, you know, we can rep them for picture books. We can't rep them for, uh, you know, commercial illustration, editorial illustration, advertising products, whatever. Uh, so that's kind of out of, out of our purview. But if you can write and want to do picture books, you're, you're a person for us. Um, similarly, if someone wants to do graphic novels, I would love to sign up some graphic novel clients. Uh, you know, I feel like every single one I've seen is basically a comic book artist, not necessarily a children's book graphic novelist. So that's a little tricky. Um, but you know, I'm definitely open to that. Um, with YA, uh, I'm, Mostly interested in contemporary, uh, not particularly into fantasy. Uh, you know, maybe call it grounded fantasy uh, and some sci-fi. But uh, yeah, high wizard goblin stuff. Not not for me. Um, so a grounded fantasy would be something that mostly takes place in our world, but with some fantastical elements. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, I I and I I I mean I feel like the um, you know, the, the fantasy of, like everyone, I think like the, the fantasy of, of the Hunger Games and the, the Divergent, like that kind of stuff has been, you know, 
is is tough to pull off these days. Uh, it has to be super original, and I just don't know if I have the best eye for it. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely look more, um, you know, contemporary. Uh, you know, I'd love to win a print. I haven't done that either. So, you know, put that on the list as well. Yeah, basically the main awards, you know, Prince, Caldecott, Newberry, you know. Uh, just send those in. We'll get all three in one year. Be like the Triple Crown. It'll be great. What yeah. uh, doesn't a word like that do for both for an author and for a literary agent? Uh, for an agent, yeah, you know, certainly it's a, it's a big feather in your cap. And it, it certainly helps with um, subsidiary rights. Uh, you know, um, Newberry winners are the books that typically, you know, you can get a film option on, you can sell rights abroad. Um, a Caldecott in particular is good for that because picture books tend not to travel so well um, to foreign countries. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, from a, from a um, financial standpoint, sales standpoint, it's, it's a huge boost. Uh, and, you know, for an author, I mean, it obviously you know, it just, it makes your career. Um, if you, if you are, you know, a, uh, a non best-selling author, certainly it'll vault you onto the best-selling list. Um, you know, if, uh, and certainly it will guarantee that you are going to have more books published in the future. Um, and I would imagine too, you know, it, uh, just from an author's perspective, if you're not doing school visits, I mean, there's your, you know, there, there's your golden ticket. I mean, hi, I just won the Newberry. I'd like to come to your school. You know, uh, I think you'll, you'll be able to line up some visits pretty quickly with that. That makes sense to me. Uh, I'm sure I know that uh, Meg Medina, every time I see she won this year's Newberry, mm -hmm. uh, every time I see her on social media, is off to another visit someplace else. She's mm -hmm. extremely popular. Yeah. Yep. Uh-oh. Did I lose you? John, are you? Uh, I'm still I'm, here. You're a little. I'm here. Though. Yeah. Can you see me? I can. You're a little pixelated. Oh, that's weird. Huh. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think that anybody watching on I think anybody watching on YouTube can still see my my beautiful fully pixelated face. So okay. uh, you're a lot less. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you about your taste because I know when we talked uh, back in 2010, <laughs> uh, changes uh, uh, taste change. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, you you said that your favorite books were On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Uh, M.T. Anderson's Thirsty, uh, and the record guides from uh, Robert Christie from uh, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Is that yeah. still pretty accurate, or has that uh, evolved so, since then? So when you, I gotta say, I gotta ask. I, I, I cannot remember what that was from. What did? When did we talk about that? Was oh, it, we uh, raised the seven questions on uh, Middle Grade Ninja back uh, back in 2010. Okay, okay, that's what it was. I was trying to rack my mind if it was, was that at a conference? Was that, you know, I, I Googled myself to see if I could, you know, come up with, with that. And man, didn't really come up. Um, uh, you know, those are still some of my favorite books. Uh, you know, I, 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 this, I, this, I did write down, so I'm going to consult oh, sure. notes here. Uh, most recently, uh, a book that really just blew my mind was on the adult side, Brief History of Seven Killings by Marlon James, um, you know, which is sort of a sort of the, the his story of Bob Marley, but, you know, um, wrapped up in many, many different layers. 
uh, and just amazingly told. I mean, that that book absolutely blew my mind. Um, uh, continuing on the music theme, uh, the Springsteen memoir, Born to Run. I mean, that just, that was really, you know, that, that's still probably, you know, that took the place of Keith Richards as like the all-time best, um, you know, rock star memoir I've ever read. And just, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's just, I, I, you know, you, you, you tend, I, I tend to think of Springsteen as a thoughtful guy. I never really sort of realized just how thoughtful he is. Um, and seeing that was really yeah, spectacular. Um, I don't know, uh, for kids, uh, you know, I think, um, a lot of the middle grade that has been growing on me lately has been um, the stuff that I've been reading with my kids. Uh, I have a 10 year old uh, and a seven year old. Um, the seven year old is very into Wimpy Kid right now. And I won't say that that's one of my favorites, but I, you know, I do appreciate it. Um, but uh, we've been going through um, Percy Jackson with my 10 year old. And I gotta say that has really, really grown on me. Um, you know, the first one, I just remember thinking, what a ripoff of Harry Potter, you know, uh, and, and, and as, as a classicist, uh, God, he just totally played, you know, fast and loose with that stuff. Um, but, you know, as we've read the books and as they've gone on, I just, I, I'm really impressed with not only his, uh, his inventiveness in terms of plotting and situations and how he can you know, really just build this world and keep it all together. Um, but also the characterization. I think the, the, the characters, as, as he's introduced more characters, um, they seem, you know, much deeper and more thought out and more recognizable um, as they go along. I mean, I feel like um, Leo and, uh, and um, uh, Hazel in particular, I'm just like, wow, those are really interesting characters. And, you know, just to see see someone evolve like that has been, you know, just a really, um, really sort of, you know, interesting to me because you, you, I, I feel like there's so many books where, like, I read the first one and, you know, uh, if it's great, great. I feel like all I've, I've read all I need to read. I don't need to read the next in the series. Uh, and if I don't like, and I'm definitely not going to read the one in the series. So uh, I'll, I'll give credit to my son, Henry, for uh, for pushing me through on those. And uh, Mr. Riordan, if you're if you're listening or watching, or one of your people are listening or watching, I love Percy Jackson. I didn't see any resemblance to Harry Potter whatsoever. Please come on the podcast. That will be an amazing conversation. Um, let me ask you about uh, humor, because you mentioned funny books. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. extremely subjective. So if somebody's yeah. trying to tickle your funny bone, what are the, what's the kind of stuff that makes you laugh? What are books that have made you laugh? Oh, gosh. I, you know, that's, that is one of the hardest things. I mean... Uh, it it's it could be anything really it could be um you know uh be anything and and i said i wasn't looking for like um you know sort of uh uh you know uh gross out bathroom humor you know the day my butt went psycho i mean that you know it's a perfect title <laughs> and a classic. It's, hysterical. It's, in a, it's in a hysterical book um you know uh I don't know something like something like Wonder. Actually, it has some very funny moments in it. Um, it really does. And you know, obviously, it's it's a very you know it's it's a real tearjerker, heart you know, uh, uh, pulls at your heartstrings. 
but um, but it you know it's got funny stuff in it. Percy Jackson is very funny. Um, you know, there's just great jokes, great little um, sort of moments where you know the characters are are thrust into ridiculous situations, and you know, great like instances of playing with sort of tropes. You know, um, uh, you know, I, th I think one of the things he does most successfully is is sort of you know making kind of doing funny stuff with classical things like Medusa, you know, having that, that, uh, that, uh, uh um, what was it? The, the shop and the junkyard, you know, in, in the first book, um, kind of bringing them into the, the present day, you know, Aries is like the, uh, the, the, the biker dude. I mean, there's just, I don't know, things like that, um, are, and, 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 you know, yeah, like you say, humor is one of the hardest things to identify. Uh, but you know, I think it's I think it's just a really a very good sense of the ridiculous. Um, being able to put your characters in ridiculous situations without um, without making them seem ridiculous themselves, if that makes sense. Um, sure. You know, because you want to you always want to have sympathy for the characters. You always do, and you know it's hard to be sympathetic for someone if the author is not. Um, showing that sympathy by how they treat those characters. Um, so, hope that hope that makes some kind of sense. It does. Sometimes, uh, one way an author can hook me is if I can tell that they clearly despise their character, and then I may or may not agree. But I just enjoy reading the how much yeah. this author hates this character. What's going to happen? <laughs> well, they died. Well, that that figures. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I got to say, one thing I, I often talk about um, is that the best characters in, in a lot of books are the villains and if you can come up with a great villain oh that's that's something you know that's something fantastic uh you know percy's got a lot of great villains but you know, hey, no one compares to voldemort i mean that's the he's the he's the ultimate he's the darth vader and you know everyone loves darth vader so yeah work on your villains folks work on them especially in middle grade I don't think I've encountered a villain. Um, well, I have to be careful when I make statements like this because if I ever reviewed one of your middle grade books at my blog, yeah. that book is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite um, uh, uh, villains in all of middle grade fiction has got to be the Grand High Witch from The Witches. Mm -hmm. I, I yep. think about her almost on a monthly basis yeah. <laughs> and her great speech and her, her just decidedly devious plan to wipe out the children of the world. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so if uh, somebody's uh, listening to this, watching this esteemed audience says to themselves, well, my, my God, I have a book uh, mm -hmm. that I think would be perfect for John Rudolph. It's, he's, as I'm listening, I'm checking off all the boxes. Me, me, me. Yeah. Uh, how should they reach out to you? What's the best way to approach you for representation? Uh, email submission. Um, so uh, you go to our website, distal.com, uh, D-Y-S-T-E-L.com. Uh, go there. Um, you will find our submission guidelines. Uh, basically, we call for a query letter and a sample. Um, but please read them uh, because they're on there and they're important. Uh, and then uh, email me. Uh, my email address is there on our website. But if you want it, it's uh, jrudolph, R-U-D-O-L-P-H, at distal.com. Uh, and uh, the thing I always just recommend is that, you know, uh, tell me where you heard about me. Uh, you know, so if, if you're querying me because you heard this podcast, say I was listening to the uh, the Middle Grade Ninja podcast, and you said this and this, and I thought maybe you know this might appeal. 
uh, I am extremely vain. And so any, you know, kind of connection that you can make to me uh, personally definitely makes me pick up, uh, perk up. There, I have signed up clients who, you know, wrote, dear sir or madam, uh, you know, I, I am, I look at all my queries, uh, so I'm certainly willing to look at them, uh, even if they don't have a personal connection. But, you know, if you do, um, you know, please, please mention it. Um, and, uh, you know, I always say this at, at conferences, you know, if, if I met you at the conference, make sure you, you mention that. Uh, so if you heard this, make sure you mention that. And tweet about it. Tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> let their literary agents know that this is a wonderful place to come and, and talk. Um, so if you, I'm assuming that you're looking at your inbox on a, on a regular basis and you've got anywhere from 20 to 100 to however many uh, queries you've received. Mm -hmm. uh, something I'm fascinated about is how do you as an agent then go about winnowing that down to a manageable number? And then when you're looking at a submission, uh, after you read the first paragraph, that's, that's nice things about you. Uh, what uh, what are you evaluating? What are you looking for that propels you to want to read a sample or, 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 or take an interest in, in what you're seeing? Well, I so I, I do read my I do read query letters and I do think they're they're an important part of the submission project uh, process. I, I think it's very important for a writer to be able to um, speak intelligently about their book and to get other people excited about their book, um, you know, when they're describing their book. Uh, and that's basically what a query letter is. It's, uh, you know, I, I always like it to uh, applying for a job. Um, you know, if you're applying for a job, your manuscript is your resume, it's your work, uh, and your query letter is your cover letter. So, you know, if you're applying for a job, you want to get someone excited by your cover letter about why they should hire you. Same thing with your query letter. Um, and with that, you want it to be professional. Uh, the, the ones that really turn me off are kind of the silly ones, the ones that uh, are overly friendly, the ones that um, sort of go on and on about why they wrote the book. Uh, I don't particularly care why anyone wrote a book. I want to read the book. I care much more about, um, you know, what the book is about, where you see it in the marketplace, and, uh, you know, what, if anything, you can do to promote it. Um, those are sort of, the, those are the, the criteria that I look for in a query letter. So, um, you know, the ones that will get me going to read the manuscript are the ones that are really professional and just kind of stick to, uh, the work itself, um, as opposed to giving me their life story, or you know, I, I wrote this book because I think it's very important to have this book out there in the world to do this, this, and this. You know, um, it's up to the publisher to figure out how you know what the book is going to do once it's out in the world. You just want it in the world. Uh, beyond that, then you know, I do read the sample. Uh, I tend to read them very quickly, and I tend to, um, you know. I, I tend not to get very far uh, for the majority of them. Uh, you know, it's average. Would you say maybe ten pages less? Uh, I mean, it can be it can be less. It can be a page sometimes. You know, from that first paragraph. I hate to say it, um, but you know that that is the reality. Uh, you know, we get I get queries from, uh, like you said, I, yeah, I, I get I don't know. Um, maybe 10 queries a day, 50 queries a week, 75 queries a week, you know, that that's, uh, I can't do the math, but you know, some, somewhere in thousands of queries a year, uh, you know, they come at all levels. And, uh, 
some of them I can tell very quickly are just not um, uh, not professional grade. Uh, if something, if I do keep going for the, you know, 10 pages or so, or through the three sample chapters, um, then, you know, chances are, uh, I will, you know, send, look at you as a client. I mean, I, I would say if I, if I do request a full, um, you know, my sign up rate from that, uh, uh, dramatically, um, uh, you know, increases from, you know, whatever, one in a thousand to, uh, to, you know, 50% maybe. I mean, yeah, a lot of the time if I request a, a manuscript, I will be talking about author by representation. Um, maybe not 50%, maybe a little less than that, but. So if you request a manuscript, the author that hears this should think I'm 50-50, flip a coin, this could be my moment. <laughs> no, don't get your up too high, but, but it's a very good sign. It is a very good sign. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, you're looking for what can the author do to promote it? What's, uh, what could an author write there that would turn your head? Um, what, what, would, what would strike you as a, somebody who's got a, an ideal platform or a means to promote a book? Well, uh, you know, with kids' books, it's not as important to have that built-in platform by any stretch. Um, you know, I, I, I would, you know, being a teacher does not necessarily mean that you have a platform. Being a librarian does not necessarily mean that you have a platform to promote the book. Um, having a lot of social media numbers for something unrelated doesn't necessarily mean you have the ability to promote the book. Um, you know, I, I think if you are writing on a kind of specific topic that you have expertise in, uh, and you do have some reach on that, that can certainly help. But, um, it's much more, I think, knowing that you are part of a community and of writers and that you are doing your work, that you're a member of SCBWI. Uh, I always like to see that, um, you know, that you have a critique group, um, that you are working with other writers. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm always sort of amazed and impressed with, um, submissions when I get from an author who, you know, an unpublished author, who's been able to get someone impressive to, to read their book, you know? Uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman took a look at my book and uh, thought it was great. Uh, you know, the, the community of, of children's book writers out there is so generous and so, you know, willing to help um, up and coming writers that to, you know, to not tap into that is really, um, puts yourself at a disadvantage. So, you know, so to see that you're you're engaging in the writing community, I think is the is sort of the best thing that you can do, at least at the submission stage. Um, once you're published, then I really think it's all about appearances. Um, you know, school and library appearances, uh, you know, just getting yourself getting yourself physically out there, bookstores. I, it's grueling. Um, but that's how you build an audience. Uh, I, I, I know it's old fashioned too, but you know, there's so much noise in the Twitterverse and there's so much noise on social media that it just becomes background and it doesn't sell books. Um, you know, because that's at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're not trying to just, you know, make a name for yourself. You're trying to sell books. Uh, so you can have those, you know, 50,000, hundred thousand Twitter followers, whatever it is. You know, you get your royalty statement and you're only selling 5,000 copies. That's what the publisher is going to look at and say, 
we can't, you know, we can't take on your next book. So um, that is, if, if, if I could, yeah, one huge piece of advice is just get yourself out there. What's the best way for an author to do that? Should they, once they have a, a contract in place or a, a book launch date, should they reach out to a publicist such as the wonderful Megan Beatty uh, or, or a different publicist who's available to, to get those set up for themselves? Should they be reaching out to schools directly themselves? What are the most successful strategies you've seen authors employ to get out there? Um, I don't really know too much about how publicists work, to be honest, um, in this day and age. Uh, you know, I've I've never, uh, with apologies to Megan, because I've never worked with her. Uh, you know, I uh, the ones that I have had clients work with have not. You know, they've been maybe able to get some of um, some you know uh, media events, perhaps. You know, like maybe some radio shows and maybe some bookstore appearances. I don't feel like I've I've seen people get. Uh, authors into the school and library community. Now, I, I could be totally wrong, and there could be people who are very good at that. So don't don't um, don't take my word for that, authors, please. Uh, but um, I think much more than that, you know, you should be talking to the school and library marketing people at your publishing house, um, talking to them about how's the best way to go about this, how, who do I contact, how do I contact people. Um, and then, you know, assuming you are already part of the children's book community, uh, querying your author friends, uh, you know, looking into SCBWI, you know, trying, just using your network to find out resources and find out how, the best way to set up appearances. Um, I actually, I, I, I'm not even sure that cold calling is such a bad idea either. Um, you know, it's... Uh, Schools are, are, a lot of schools are, you know, desperate to have, um, to have people come in and do presentations. Uh, I'm sure my kid's school would love it, you know, they could do more of those. Not sure that they'll, they'll, you know, pay for them, but, you know, but it is exposure. And, and, you know, and that's, that's the sort of the goal behind it more. I mean, you can certainly, you can, you can, if you are a, a you know appearance like you know junkie and you can you can do like zillions of you know a hundred appearances a year that are paid appearances you can make you know a nice sort of uh, 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 side living doing that um, but in terms of book exposure uh, you know it's uh, I'm not sure if you know paid appearances are necessarily the the only way to do that. That makes sense. Yeah, all right. and I think that's a little tangential anyway. So, um. well, it's uh, speaking of tangential. Oh, okay. uh, John Rudolph. <laughs> yes. Former editor, current literary agent, publishing professional. Have you ever seen a flying saucer, and do you believe in them? <laughs> I have not seen a flying saucer. Uh, do I believe in them? I well, sure. Why not? Um, but until I see one, I, I will be uh, a skeptical believer. How about that? Fair enough. I'm a, I would call myself a hopeful believer. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's on my bucket list to see one before I go. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, talk about it. One thing I wanted to ask you about is on your manuscript wish list, you've got listed mm -hmm. Big Think. And I just was curious. I, I hadn't seen that before. Uh, what is a, what, how would you classify a Big Think? Uh, I would classify that as, um, you know, a, uh, 
uh, first of all, that's that's for adult nonfiction. Um, so you know, it doesn't really um, apply to uh, uh, us. But um, you know, the, the kind of book that sort of looks at culture as a whole and you know talks about um, uh, you know how we can how we can better ourselves, how we can change things. Um, so you know, something that sort of re goes across publishing genres. I mean. Uh, you know, something like, um, top of my head, uh, lean in, uh, you know, uh, that kind of book, um, you know, talking about, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell is sort of the, the, um, the archetypical big think, um, author, uh, you know, um, there's a, there's a, there's a huge, uh, interest, I think, among publishers in signing up, uh, neuroscientists and people who study the brain, because, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of sense that if we look more in the brain, we can kind of figure out kind of the, the big issues of our time and, you know, how to, how to better ourselves through it. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I mean. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, if 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 you want if you want to say big think equals Malcolm Gladwell, there you go. That's probably Hello, the Malcolm. Uh, I teach uh, writing classes here at the yeah. Indiana Writers Center, including yeah. a fiction workshop, which starts this uh, Sunday. So hey. if you're in the area, go ahead and okay. uh, head to Middle Grade Ninja, sign up. Uh, <laughs> but one of the books that I mentioned that's not directly related to writing, because we we do story by Robert McKee. He's a god mm -hmm. to me. We we talk about that. We talk about mm -hmm. on writing, all the the standard John Gardner, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I always uh, try and recommend Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, because that's the mm -hmm. book I wish I had read uh, before yeah. I got started uh, working toward publishing, mm -hmm. just because of the um, the analysis of the data and the kind yeah. of the confirmation of what if you really sat down and thought about there being 300 million people in the country would, would stand out and sort of make sense. But he, he just goes through and he puts it there in black and white. And I feel for authors who are just natural dreamers anyway, mm -hmm. um, a book like that that gives you the just the data and the pure numbers of what it takes to be successful and how much of uh, being successful is really being in the right place at the right time and you can prove it uh, empirically. Yep. Um, yeah. That kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off where you can go, oh, whew, okay, well, I'm gonna work as hard as I can, but there are some things that are just a little bit bigger than me that, that aren't necessarily directly in my control. Mm-hmm, yeah, yep. So yeah, there we go, advertisement yeah. for uh, Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> and your class, right? <laughs> sure. Yep. <laughs> And Mr. Gladwell, you are also uh, like Mr. Riordan. Welcome on anytime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, a question I'm obligated to ask um, is in the age or of the indie publishing revolution, mm -hmm. what are still the advantages of going with a literary agent and the traditional publishing model um, as opposed to making your book available and never having to write a query letter in your life? Uh, well, I mean, so so it's interesting uh as as a uh when ebook publishing sort of got off the ground or, or self-publishing got off the ground and um you know 50 shades was this big phenomenon and and suddenly um uh indie authors were you know selling massive quantities of books over amazon we um uh jane distal very smartly uh reached out to them and you know saw wondered if asked of took on a bunch of them as clients um, and, uh, you know, was able to parlay some of their success into traditional book deals for them. Uh, you know, at this stage, those traditional book deals, I think, are probably doing better than their indie publishing. 
I mean, indie publishing really relies on you not only as an author, but you as a marketer um, and your ability to uh, connect over um, over social media. And, uh, and as I said before, there's so much uh, noise out there that to be successful at it is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, so, you know, with a, uh, so with a, with a traditional publisher, um, you know, you are, there are, what you're getting with that is you are getting the, the publishing house of support. You are not only getting the, the physical, uh, you know, production of your book, which, uh, I think is something that, uh, most authors really do appreciate getting their beautiful hardcover or paperback book uh, well-designed and with a nice-looking cover on it. Uh, so you're getting that. You're getting the support of the marketing department. And even, I know, like, I mean, at, authors love to complain about the marketing department at their publishers. Um, I will say, you know, in their defense, while I think they could do more, they do a lot behind the scenes that uh, authors just don't see um, in terms of, you know, getting the book out there, particularly in the school and library community, which I think is still a very important piece of middle grade publishing and picture book publishing. Uh, YA, perhaps not so much, but certainly if you're writing at that younger level, the school and library is still very important. Um, so, uh, you know, there is that. Uh, I think, you know, working with a publisher to, um, you know, to uh, you'll you'll get better review uh, attention if you're working with a publisher as well. Uh, you will, and ultimately, you will. You know, you will have um, a team behind you as opposed to just being you at your computer, uh, which I think you know is is appeals to quite a few people. Um, now, as far as an agent, how an agent fits into that, uh, you know, certainly we are in a way, you know, kind of the gatekeepers to the publishers. So um, we can help you with that. Uh, we can also be the advocate for you um, when it comes to the publishers, uh, because, you know, you do want someone else in your corner in case there ever is a dispute. Um, you certainly want someone who is versed in contracts, uh, which we are, uh, you know, and if you sign with an agent, you, as opposed to um, going it alone, you will probably get better terms uh, with an agent. Um, moreover, uh, you know, whatever rights an agent can retain for you, um, unless you're a Hollywood big shot or somehow no um, publishers in foreign countries, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to place your film and TV rights or your foreign and translation rights uh, without the assistance of an agent. And, uh, you know, that's, again, a place where we can come in very, very handy. Yep. Uh, if you would, help demystify who and what a literary agent is. What, uh, what does your overall uh, week look like? What's your day look like? And if one of the uh, esteemed audience members listening reaches out to you with the perfect <laughs> book and you, you get them signed, mm -hmm. what does that relationship look like going forward? Which is a very big question. Uh, okay, well, so let's see, what does a, what does a day or a week look like? Um, you know, typically I try and start my day going through my queries, uh, you know, and I try and go through the ones that I get the day before. Uh, now, 
I get thrown off that schedule really quickly. Like whenever I miss a day of whenever I'm out of the office for a day or, you know, if I go on vacation or, you know, even if it's a long weekend, uh, I get backed up almost immediately. But, but when I'm, when I'm in a good clip, I do get through my queries, you know, first thing, um, you know, after that I'm doing, uh, it, it can be a lot of different things. Um, it can be, uh, working on edits for an author, it can be um, negotiating the finer points of a deal for an author, it can be uh, vetting a contract, um, it can be sending out a submission. Uh, you know, typically I've got, I get out, I don't know, at least one or two submissions a week, uh, sometimes maybe more depending on the time of year. Uh, so prepping a submission, putting together the list, um, you know, then I'd say at least once a week I'm having um, in-house meetings, or, or not in-house, like lunch or uh, uh, in-person meetings with uh, editors. Uh, so you know, trying to build my um, my contact base and and you know, sort of uh, build on the contacts that I already have. Uh, and then you know, one thing we do have some in-house meetings at at Distal, so you know, there are those. Um, uh, sometime we will you know, about every two weeks or so uh, a publisher or a film agent or someone will come to us so we'll have a meeting you know as a group with them um, you know there are there are literary events going on at night there are literary events sometimes going on during the day you know so I'm, I'm out of the office of those uh, at night I'm reading uh, you know, uh, at lunch I'm reading. Um, but then I'm also, you know, I do try and look for, uh, ideas for new projects. Um, and you know, if I read a news story and think hmm, that might make a good book, uh, you know, maybe I'll reach out to that author. Now that's more on the adult side than, uh, on the kid's side, but you know, that does take up, um, you know, probably on average about a half hour, hour of every day. Um, so that's kind of what my day looks like. Uh, uh, if I do sign you up, uh, or if I'm interested in signing you up, I'll, I'll reach out over email and then you know suggest we set up a phone call. I always want to talk to someone before we start working together, um, or if they're in the city, you know, we'll we'll meet in person. Uh, you know, once it seems like uh, this, you know, you are someone I think I could represent. I will uh, send, we have an agency agreement where, you know, we ask you to just sign a, uh, an agreement saying you give us the right to try and sell your book, uh, for which we will take our 15% commission. Um, once that's in place, then we start working together. Uh, you know, um, if the manuscript is in perfect shape and ready to go, fantastic. That's almost never the case. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through a round of edits, maybe two. Uh, but you know, I do like to try and get things out quickly if I can. Um, once I do, you know, once, once it's ready, I'll put together the submission list. I'll, you know, put together a cover letter, send it out. Um, if there are, you know, editors in particular who I think might be interested again, you know, this is it's not an exact science by any stretch. I might call them and tell them it's coming. Um, you know, and then and then there's waiting, and there's some waiting. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes people jump on it right away. Sometimes they don't. Uh, I had a client recently who got an offer. You know, that she'd had the book for the editor had the book for a year, 
uh, yeah, a full year and just hadn't gotten to it. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I, I try and give people about six to eight weeks to get back to me. Um, if it seems like it hasn't sold, we'll do another round of submissions. Uh, if the book does sell, then, you know, I'll negotiate the terms of the deal, uh, you know, deal with any counter offers. Um, once we have a deal in place, I run everything by the client, uh, make sure that they're okay with the terms. Um, when, once we say yes and pop the champagne, then I'll get the contract. Uh, I'll vet the contract to make sure it's, uh, it's kosher. Um, you know, the agent, the, the, uh, author, the client will sign the contract. They'll be good to go. They'll start working with their editor. Uh, and at that point, I'm really then trying to place any ancillary rights I can, any subsidiary rights, any film rights, any foreign rights, if we are able to retain them. Uh, and um, if, you know, the book is accepted, then we'll start talking about the next project. Um, and for clients whose books I can't place, which does happen, uh, you know, I, I always say that as soon as the book goes on submission, it's first time it goes on submission, uh, start working on your next book. Because I do view clients as long-term clients. You know, there, there are very few uh, authors or, that I've taken on where it's just been kind of like, I'm taking you for this one project and then that's it. Um, you know, I really see them as my role is trying to, you know, develop an author's career um, and uh, set them up for, for the long term. So for that uh, next project, do you kind of have a conversation <laughs> with them um, about uh, what sort of project? Uh, uh, yeah, have some have some tea. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned you were just getting over a, a nasty uh, flu this week. So I, I appreciate you your powering through and, and making the time for us. Uh, but I want to ask, what uh, do you have input onto uh, what a client's next project might be while they're waiting for the news, the six to eight weeks for that first? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's that 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 is often and interestingly that is often where I can play a, a pretty significant role because you know a lot of the time uh the client you know i signed them up for that first project and you know it's a great book and it's the reason why i signed them up and then we've got book number two you know the sophomore slump but uh, or not sophomore slump i'm sorry sophomore jinx um you know uh typically they've got more than one project so the idea is to try and figure out which one makes the most sense um it can be building on some of the, you know, maybe looking at the feedback that you got. If, if um, editors are all pointing to something as a strength, maybe, you know, really trying to build on that. Um, maybe trying to do something different or do something in a different genre. Um, that can be a conversation as well. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there, there can be quite a bit of um, strategy and such that goes into uh, the... Uh, the um sorry one second uh that goes into the the next um sort of round of of what we're gonna do uh and yeah i think that actually is one of my one of my more sort of important functions as a, as an agent and uh, i wanted to also ask because um, there's just endless information anybody can go to uh, janet reed the query shark uh head to john cusack 
Uh, mm. He's got a great video that we, we link to about how to write a great query letter. Yeah. So that information is out there pretty much across the board. Good. But something that doesn't get touched on quite as often is that initial phone call with an agent or meeting an agent at a conference. Mm -hmm. So can you give us an example of what you're looking for and maybe a good conversation you've had with somebody either at a conference or on a phone or both and a bad uh, conversation that you've had with somebody? Um, I, I think the, the, you know, I think the, the best conversations are the ones where, you know, there's just, there's, there's a connection. Yeah. There's some connection of shared interests, like minds. Um, you know, someone who has a, a, uh, a, um, a general knowledge about the publishing industry and, and, you know, what they're getting themselves into, uh, you know, you don't have to be like, um, you know, you don't have to know every editor's name in, in you know, at HarperCollins, but, uh, you know, kind of a, just a, to, to have done some research and have a general sense of, of what you're getting yourself into, I think is, is very helpful. Um, yeah, so those are the good conversations. I, they're really, you know, I just, I like to know their history as a, you know, what, what their history is as a writer, why did you write this book? Um, not, you know, not what you want to do with this book, but you know, where, where did it come from? Uh, like what else have you written? That's always a big question. Um, so if you do have just that one manuscript, that's, that's always the toughest client, you know, it's like, so yeah, I want to know that you've written other stuff in particular with picture book authors, because, uh, you know, the, uh, the return on a picture book is so small, uh, picture book advances are so small that. Uh, you know, you need to have quite a bit of material to make it uh, make a go of it. Um, What's an average advance, would you say, for a picture book? Around $5,000 uh, for the author, for the author. Uh, it's one of the reasons, frankly, why I look for author illustrators, because if you have someone who can do the whole package, uh, you know, there's, there's more money to be made. Um, Anyway, so a, a, a conversation with an author that doesn't go so well is the one that is where the author sees it as very transactional. Yeah, um, you're there to provide a service for which I'm paying you, you know, my fifteen percent from my uh, from my earnings. Uh, you know, and I think it's it, the the whole publication process is a collaboration. Uh, it's a collaboration between author, illustrator, editor, jacket designer, marketing uh, professionals, publicists, sales team. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of hands involved in getting your book out there, you know. And I think, you know, the authors who sort of see it as, you know, what are you doing for me as opposed to uh, how can I work with you? Uh, those are the tougher conversations and you know, I've, I, there, it hasn't happened very often, but there are, there have been a couple times where I've talked to someone and, um, you know, the, the, it just doesn't feel like it's a good match. Uh, it, it happens. Um, the other reason I will say too, that I have not, um, where I've held off with representation sometimes is, uh, if, um, that person is not really prepared. So if they've they've written you know a sample 
Uh, this happens more on the adult side, I would say. Like if, if you know, they've written uh, like a book proposal, but they haven't really started their research yet, or they haven't written a sample chapter yet, or, you know, something is incomplete. Uh, not so much true with fiction or on the kid's side. Uh, but, you know, it does happen sometimes. Um, the other thing, too, is that if there is a submission history that I don't know about, and that that's that can really, you know, uh, kill the deal because it's just, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if I'm the one sending it out. If it's already been to Simon and Schuster, I can't go back to Simon and Schuster. You know, if they said no, just because I'm a different guy sending it doesn't mean uh, they'll take it. So even if you've got another editor that you know personally, um, yeah, it depends on the imprint for sure. Uh, if they've seen it, then yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna take a second look. Uh, um, it's it's hard to get past those, uh, and and I've had that. I've had that happen. Um, I you know certainly, and I think it was a learning experience for me where I you know submitted a manuscript. Um, I can think of a very specific one, and uh, I sent it, and I sent it to a publisher whose name rhymes with Little Brown. And uh, they came back to me and said, hey, you know, we actually saw this uh, like, I don't know, six months ago. And I, you know, said, oh, sorry about that. Uh, I, I was unaware that it had been shopped previously. Uh, you know, it's embarrassing, embarrassing for me. And certainly, uh, you know, that, that book did not get sold because it had been out before. So that's, that, that is something very important to, to know. I mean, if you have been rep prior or if you have submitted the book, you know, on your own and it's gone to, um, and you have actually gotten responses, you know, if, if you've gotten rejections or, or been to an editorial meeting and been discussed, then, you know, I definitely need to know that. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you can't have your authors putting you out there unprepared and, oh, and then getting the, well, sort of ambushed. Mm -hmm. That's that's not going to work. Um, another question I wanted to ask you, well, I have a bunch of questions, but I'm going to narrow it down since I know we're uh, we're running close to our, to our time together today. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We can keep going. Keep going. But I always like when I'm talking with uh, anybody uh, in the publishing industry, a question mm -hmm. that I have is we do a few episodes back. Uh, we chatted with uh, author Lamar Giles, who was one of the founding members of We Need Diverse Books. Check mm -hmm. their catalog. Great episode. Yeah. Um, but, of course, the whole reason there was this movement for We Need Diverse Books is because we need diverse books. <laughs> for a very long time, uh, yep. publishing has not been good about uh, putting diverse uh, voices out there. So mm -hmm. a question that I've been asking uh, everybody I can is what are you seeing the industry doing to rectify that wrong? And, and what are you and what is digital doing uh, specifically to promote diversity in publishing? Well, so I, I you know, I, I think for one, I mean, the publishing industry has responded in a, in a major way. I mean, we see, um, you know, you see new imprints that are uh, focused specifically on bringing diverse voices to light. Um, you're seeing new publishers. I mean, Arthur Levine's new uh, venture, I mean, is is you know the the goal there is to bring diverse voices to light and um, uh, to publication. Uh, you know, so between we need diverse books and the own voices um, movement, 
Um, I think publishers are doing a really good job of addressing it. And I mean, you know, look, there's, I, 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 I hope it's a sustained um, effort. You know, uh, the, my, my fear, frankly, is that um, like a lot of things in publishing, um, you know, we editors go through, uh, you know, it, it's not fair to call it this, but editors, uh, um, you know, they go through trends. Uh, and right now I'm hearing all these editors saying, I want uh, diverse voices, voices, you know, people of color, um, you know, I want projects from them. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I hope it is not just something we're hearing for the next six months. And then in six months we hear, uh, you know, we want um, urban fantasy or, or you know, uh, uh, books like Wonder. I mean, or whatever it is, you know, I, I just hope it's a, a sustained effort as opposed to a, um, a temporary one. As far as, you know, what we at Distal and, and myself personally, um, you know, I think we just, at Distal, we have, a, frankly, I think we have a pretty long track record of, you know, working with artists from diverse backgrounds, working with um, authors uh, who are uh, people of color, um, you know, from back when uh, Jane represented Barack Obama's first book to uh, her current client, Tayari Jones, who's been sitting on the bestseller list all year. I mean, you know, I think we have a pretty impressive roster of uh, people of different backgrounds. Um, and for myself personally, it's, it's kind of always been um, a, a, uh, a, a, I don't know if the mandate's the right word, but it's, it's something I've always, um, whether consciously or not, kept in mind because one of the, the, first, um, the first author uh, I ever signed up at Simon & Schuster when I was, and I didn't, well, I, I guess I can say I signed him up, uh, when I was an assistant was Pete Seeger, uh, the folk singer. Uh, he had done a book with Simon Schuster. He'd done Abi Yo-Yo, but uh, that was, you know, 15 years before uh, I'd gotten there and he hadn't really done much since. And, uh, you know, he'd always been a hero of mine. Um, I knew his, uh, I knew his family. I had a friend who was working with him. So I got in touch and asked him if he wanted to do more books. And uh, he said yes, and so we did uh, Abioyo Returns, and then we did a version of Turn, 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 and Stone Soup. Um, and you know, working with Pete, I mean, the, the 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 concept of social justice is just you know, it's 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 not even a concept to, to him. It was, it was who he was. Um, and you know, to see a, a person uh, to have the experience of working with someone who just lives that, um, you know, it's it's one of the more powerful, formative experiences of my life. Um, so, you know, from that, I was just always interested in, um, you know, working with authors from diverse backgrounds. Uh, and, you know, I, I certainly worked with a number uh, as an editor. And, you know, it's something that I've always been on the lookout for as an agent. Um, and, you know, I, I, would, I would wait, offer that if you look at my, um, you know, my, list of authors, uh, both as an editor and an agent, you would see a, uh, a pretty good commitment to that. Makes sense to me. And I share the same fear that, um, that, that this may be uh, a teen vampire for a while and then publishing will move on and they need to stay right where they're at for a bit. They do. They do. And, you know, I th and I think it's, it's just more, it's, 
it, you know, I, I was, um, I was asked this question um, about uh, social justice not too long ago, actually, when, when we were uh, applying for schools for my, my younger son. Uh, and um, it sort of, you know, caught me a little off guard just in that setting. Um, but, you know, when I started thinking about it um, and I, I started realizing that, you know, it's, I, I, and I'm not trying to say this to, to toot my own horn or anything, but I, I feel like we need to get to the point where it is, we are not consciously looking for these stories as sort of a way to, you know, fill the holes in the market or to, you know, make up for publishing's, you know, um, sad failures of the past. I think it's, it, you know, we need to get to that place where we are looking for great stories from all perspectives, you know, in in a um, sort of uh, you know uh, equal kind of way, and not have it be this um, you know that we that we consciously need to think look for these things. Um, I, I, I wish we could get to that point, you know, and and I feel like now it's certainly it's 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 great that it is in people's consciousness. I hope we can get beyond that to the point where it is just part of the publishing program and not. Uh, you know, um, we need these. Uh, we have we have diverse voices. You know, uh, that's that's what I would like to, us to get to. And uh, Lamar said that he was looking forward to the day when there was uh, a ton of mediocrity by people of color out and about. They weren't the best books. They're just they're available. They're, they're so widely that we have room for the, the garbage books that you ordinarily wouldn't read by uh, people of color as well as uh, as other uh, authors. <laughs> Let's uh, talk a little bit, uh, if, if you don't mind me, talk just a little bit about ancient etiquette. Mm -hmm. This is another one of those things I'm fascinated by because it's a little bit more difficult to hone. Um, so a question I always ask is, um, uh, if you, what are signs that you should maybe need to break up with your agent? And if you reach that point, what's the best way to break up with them? Or break up's the wrong word, but discontinue uh, your business relationship with yeah. your with your agent and vice versa. What are some signs you can look for that maybe your agent is considering discontinuing that business relationship with you? Well, uh, look, I mean, it, it, I think your use of the, the word business is a very good one um, because it's, it's it ultimately, you know, while I, I don't like people to think of it as a transactional relationship, it is a business relationship. And if your agent is not making you money or if you're not seeing the value in what they are um, delivering in terms of advancing your career or advancing your writing, then yeah, um, you know, maybe your relationship has run its course or maybe you weren't the best match to begin with. Um, so, you know, I think just being upfront, uh, being honest, having that, you know, hard, honest conversation uh, is important. Um, you know, usually the signs are there uh, in that for whatever reason, the agent wasn't able to place your book or if you've had a longer term relationship and um, you know you're seeing your royalty statements, and the sales just aren't there, and your advances are going down, and you know your agent is not really um, improving things for you. You know maybe that is is time to look elsewhere. Um, you know the uh, a sign that you know your agent is losing faith in you. I I, I hate to say it, but response time certainly is one. Uh, you know, I, I, 
it's very hard to give clients the level of attention that you know to give clients who are not um, producing, <laughs> uh, you know, and who are not um, producing or or you know coming up with viable projects, the level of attention that uh, someone who is uh, will will get. So you know, if you're not hearing from your agent, or if you're not hearing from them in a timely fashion, or um, you know, or they're just they're not responding to your current work, then you know maybe the the fault is with them and not with you. Um, so you know that's something to to uh, you, you have to sometimes take a step back and and just think about you know what is what is best for me because at the end of the day it's true you know your your name is on the cover and you have to you know, you have to do what's best for you as the author. Um, so yeah, just, you know, look, I, any agent who's been at this a while knows that these things happen. Um, and then, you know, you can, if you start to have that conversation and the agent says, you know, it's only the effect of, oh my gosh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. Look, I, I believe in you. I love you. You know, you're the best. I think I can do this and this and this for you. You know, maybe you give them a chance. Maybe you let them prove it. Uh, but I think a lot of the time, if the if the author's feeling it, the agent is feeling it too. Uh, you know, it's not always the case. Uh, I, I did have a client who uh, uh, recently who told me she was uh, thinking about moving on after we finished uh, the uh, project we we're working on, and it really took me by surprise. But uh, you know, um, but a lot of the time, those conversations seem much will end up being much more mutual. Uh, than you might think. That makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, reasonable response times. Uh, just because I know there's lots of authors listening, we should yeah. define that. If, if I haven't heard from an agent in five minutes, should I panic? What, uh, what yes, is you a reasonable absolutely response? panic. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, I, it, it, it's well, it depends on the kind of communication. I mean, you know, if you're just if you're sending a, an email, um, you know, that's. Uh, uh, just of you know a, a regular communication a question whatever have you uh you know a few days uh, if you haven't heard um if it's been more than a week try again uh you know if it's getting on to a few weeks and they haven't responded um you know then that might be cause for concern if they write you know if you write to them after that and they respond oh my gosh i'm so sorry somehow i missed you know i missed your response in my inbox i, I don't know what happened uh, you know, that happens. I mean, our, our emails, you know, get pushed down so quickly these days that, you know, I, I do miss stuff. Um, so, you know, see what happens then. If it's, uh, if it's still more radio silence, then, yeah, then there might be some cause for concern. Uh, but, you know, you, you, I, I, <laughs> every client likes to think that they're the only client that that agent has. And we try and make those clients feel like they're the only client that the agent has. So, I mean, you know, we want you to feel special and we want you to feel like you've got our undivided attention. But uh, but we do have a lot of clients. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it, it does, it's un unfortunately, you know, we just can't respond to everyone as uh, quickly as they might like. Um, How many so, clients yeah. are you typically uh, chuckling? Um <sighs> I would say at the moment, I probably, I, I probably, I usually have about 35 to 50 active clients. Um, you know, those are clients who are either 
with books sold, books that are on submission, or books that are in development. Uh, and then I have probably another, geez, at this point, um, 35 to 50 clients who are um, sort of legacy clients, you know, uh, and this is much more on the adult side, um, authors who have sold a book. Uh, and, you know, that was, that was their book. And uh, it might be five years before they have another one, or they might not have another one at all. But, um, you know, um, I did a book with uh, um, uh, Herman Russell, who is a, a, a real estate developer um, in Atlanta, who was involved with the, uh, the civil rights movement. Um, you know, he was, he was 80. Uh, he, he wrote his memoir. I think that's his only book. Uh, you know, but he's still a client, and he's still, you know, we still get the uh, the royalty, uh, you know, checks for him, and so he's he's on our list. Um, so you know, there are there are clients like that, but yeah, I, I'd say thirty five to fifty is kind of the the um, the working group at the moment. And then uh, while we're talking about age and etiquette, uh, obviously I'm a stoic rock, completely 100% confident myself, but I know other authors can sometimes be <laughs> yeah. a little bit insecure and yeah. they can be a little bit needy and I just need my agent to hold my hand. Mm -hmm. um, how often should someone contact their agent? Uh, how often is too often? When do they when, when are they starting to get not on your nerves because you're, you're also a rock, but other right. agents, when might they get on their nerves? All right. Um, sorry. Are you hearing by the those those bells? I think it's my my email going off, and I'm not sure how to set it off. So I I hope not. Um, uh, uh, okay. Uh, I think in that case, it's so so to answer that question, um, every agent is is different in that respect. Um, you know, I think that's a personality thing as much as anything else. Some agents are you know their author's best friends and. Uh, you know, they, they go on vacation together and they, you know, have matching t-shirts made and what, whatever. And, you know, and, and they're there for them if they need the hand holding and they will talk long into the night and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to keep things much more professional. Um, you know, I, I, I have very few clients who I've ever had to talk off the ledge. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when I, my, my sort of strategy with that is usually to just, you know, talk about it like, okay, you're, you're, you're hitting a wall. All right, let's make a plan. Let's, you know, what are the, what are the steps we can take to, to address this? Um, so, you know, I do see my, my, I don't know, role is as less of a handhelder and more as a, a, uh, you know, a, um, uh, a doer or a manager of those uh, those problems, um, you know. It's it's it's. But again, that 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 is really. I think that is something that you figure out as you talk to an agent. If you're you know shopping for agents and you have interest from multiple agents, you know you need to you need to be honest with yourself about what kind of a, a person, what kind of a writer you are, you know. And, and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, to, you know, uh, disparage the, the agents who make t-shirts. Um, you know, th that, that style, uh, works extremely well for some people. Um, and there are authors who, brilliant authors who, you know, are total, you know, need a lot of handholding, uh, you know, are, have, are very emotional. Um, 
you know, the, the, the history of Western literature is full of authors like that. Uh, you know, Maxwell Perkins's couch is, you know, famous for authors, you know, crying into it. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it, it can go any, any sort of way. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't want to say, you know, um, don't call up your agent in the middle of the night if you're, you know, having a panic attack. Um, because some agents uh, are are okay with that. Um, you know, it's just really about finding the right one for you. So just kind of setting those ground rules in the initial conversation and making sure that that's going to fly on both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, setting the ground rules. And you know, no one says you have to, like, you know, slavishly hold to those ground rules either. Um, I think it's, you know, more just about getting a sense of whether this seems like, you know, the kind of person you can work with. and what kind of working style works best for you, you know? Uh, and, and, and that can be the kind of thing too, that, that can lead to an agent breakup or can change as your career develops. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, some people start off very grounded and for whatever reason become much less grounded, you know, uh, there's anything can happen between, you know, when you sign the agency agreement and when you, uh, you know, when you break up. So, you know, there, there's, uh, I, 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 I feel like if, if there's one sort of takeaway from a lot of what we're talking about, it's that, you know, there's just not one size fits all to any of this stuff. Uh, you know, whether it comes to agents, publishing, uh, you know, and I know that's something that authors are constantly looking for because it is so much of you writing alone in your room and trying to figure out this 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 uh, this kind of publishing system that's been set up but uh, you know at the end of the day there's it's you're just not gonna find that that you know uh, um, you know 10 things to checklist you know 10 item checklist and if you do these you will have an agent and a book published uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. But you know, then if you find out that that ten list, come back and yeah, tell I, us. I would that would be a great to. episode. I would love to, yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, I know we're uh, running a little long here, so why don't we uh, why don't we do two more questions and, okay. and call it a day? Um, one question I always want to ask um, from your perspective, because you know far more literary agents than I'm ever going to know. You have a far broader perspective uh, of, of, of the industry overall. So beyond just checking online, and obviously anybody who's watching or listening to this is already a subscriber to the uh, to the podcast there, head and shoulders above the, the other riffraff writers. Um, but uh, what is a good way to evaluate an agent <laughs> short of um meeting them in person and even that sometimes is, is, is not a it's not a great tell because they you know somebody can put up a great front for a night or two uh, sure. at a conference and then over time you're going to learn that they've got some bad work habits so what assuming somebody's listened to this they say my god john rudolph sounds like the perfect agent and they send you a query yeah. uh, but it's about the civil war and there's no humor in it and you say no i'm, I'm out um <laughs> yeah. but then, then they have to go right. the, the, the 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 sad way of, of finding another agent Sure. What are the best ways for authors to evaluate literary agents and try and find somebody that's going to be reputable and going to be a good fit? Uh, well, I mean, I think so. So one thing I, I certainly recommend, as, as we discussed before, check the acknowledgments of published books that you love from major publishers. 
uh, you know, and see who those agents are. Um, once you have done that, um, you know, look in Publishers Weekly or in um, Publishers Marketplace and, you know, see, uh, again, if they're those agents who they're selling to. I mean, I think a, a good a good tell for a reputable agent is if it's someone who is selling to the major publishers, uh, the big six publishers. Um, you know, if you're finding an agent who's done a lot of little deals or has done a lot of foreign deals, um, but not a lot of sales to major publishers, that, that can be a sign that this person is not um, great. Uh, certainly, you never want to work with someone who charges for your serv for their services. I mean, that's just the, that's, um, that's disreputable. Uh, and, you know, any agent who charges for their, for services is not really a agent. They're going against the, the AAR guidelines. I mean, so yeah, you want to look out for them. Um, you know, uh, uh, it is perfectly legitimate once you start talking to agents um, to ask to speak to uh, some of their clients. Um, you know, when authors ask me that, I'm perfectly happy to uh, put them in touch with uh, with clients who will hopefully say wonderful things about me. Um, you know, that, that can be extremely helpful for evaluating. Uh, you know, I, I will say, um, Beyond that, you know, I think there's, this is, I, I, I think beyond that, it's just really, you know, there, there, there are, there are, and I don't, I can't, I, I don't want to give any websites or um, uh, listservs or anything, you know, or Twitter feeds to specifics just because I, I don't really know them, but I, I know there's a lot of chatter out there about these things. And I know there are websites that that discuss good agents, bad agents. Um, I know you know you can you can look up and see if they are members of of the AAR. Um, what's that Association of Author Representatives? I think it's called. Um, you know you can uh, look at the I guess look at the Writers Guild. Um, you know, and and for the children's side, you can see who has been involved in the children's book community you know who's been doing scbwi uh appearances who uh you know what kinds of books they've sold uh that's another thing too if i mean if you're a middle grade author and you're looking at agents and you you get a a bite from an agent who's only done adult work i mean you know that's that's kind of a sign there so um yeah just I, you know you do your research uh like anything else um you know, you're applying for a job. You don't just apply for a job without knowing what the company is or what it does. Uh, you know, look look them up. They're, the information is out there. Yeah, unfortunately, authors, not all authors, but some are <laughs> endlessly lazy because over the, uh, I think it's 13 or 14 years now that I've been running Middle Grade Ninja, I've gotten more than once um, <laughs> a year the email from a random author who says, hello, stranger. <laughs> At one of these days, I'm going to read one of your books. But for today, I just wondered if you could take a look at my proposal and maybe recommend the five or ten best agents for me to query. It's like, come yeah. on, man. I got a whole blog. Go read. <laughs> it's available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my uh, kind of catch-all question uh, right. is, what is the most crucial bit of advice you'd like to impart to any authors and, and, and would-be authors uh, who are listening or watching to this? And feel free to impart a couple of other bits of wisdom if, as well, if you like. Um, well, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, read. 
You can't be an author if you don't read. Uh, Amen. Yeah, read widely, read uh, read broadly. Don't just read in your genre either. Uh, you know, um, read uh, read YA, read adult, um, read read read. Uh, that's one. Um, two, do your homework. Uh, so you know, join SCBWI. Uh, you know, make sure that you know um, what a middle grade novel looks like if that's what you're writing. Uh, in terms of you know word count, um, you're, so you're not submitting the the two hundred thousand word uh, novel um, and calling it middle grade. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, do your research about um, agents, and you know, don't just uh, sort of uh, submit to us blindly. Um, look up submission guidelines. Uh, write to specific agents. Uh, you know, write uh, um, write personal query letters, you know, don't just say to dear sir or madam, uh, you know, don't uh, send the same query letter to everyone in the publishing universe. And uh, I mean, you shouldn't do that anyway, but you know, and, and then leave all the names in the uh, in the submissions in the to field because that's that always feels great. Um, Undoubtedly, though, it, it, it would save time. <laughs> it, would save time. it would, but you know, uh, it's it's worth taking the time. Um, be patient. That is another good one. Uh, you know, this is, it's a long haul. It's a long haul. Uh, it can take, you know, quite a while to get your agent in the first place. In the submission process, we ask clients to give us a year to try and place your book. Um, and, uh, sometimes it can take that full year. Uh, and then once the book is sold, it typically takes about one and a half to two years until it's published. So, this is a, it's a long process. It's a long, slow process. So patience is a virtue. Uh, and then finally, um, submit, you know, just send it out there. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I know I'm saying there's a lot of work you need to do and, and this and that, and it sounds like a lot, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I'll go to a conference so often, or I'll do a talk like this and, uh, you know, and I'll say, I'm open for submission, send me stuff. And I'll meet with individual authors and I'll talk about their books and I'll say, yeah, I'd love to see it. Uh, and then crickets, you know, or six months later, they say six months, year and a half later, uh, I met you in 2017 at this conference and you expressed interest in my book. Uh, I'm sending it now. I mean, yeah. I was the one with red hair. Right. I was the one with red hair. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe I did. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Uh, I've met a lot of people since then. You know, I've, 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 you know, been killing my brain cells with alcohol since then. Like there, you know, I, there, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna remember. Um, you know, uh, this is a business of connections. And so, you know, to be able to, make a connection in a reasonable amount of time is, is a very um, good uh, thing to do. Um, but, but by far the biggest, the worst thing you can do is just not send in your stuff. I mean, you know, sitting on it, waiting on it, trying to figure out who's the right person, um, the, the one right person to send my stuff to. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a fool's errand. So, um, you know, take a deep breath, you know, steal up your courage and just and send it out worst thing we do is say no there's a lot of us agents out there and a lot of good ones so you know don't be don't be worried um you will if your work stands up you will find the right person for you
John, that, this has been just such a wonderful conversation, just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share all of this with me and with the esteemed audience. Uh, my pleasure. This has been great. Thank you very much. This has really been good. Where, uh, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, again, our website uh, is uh, distal.com, www.dystel.com. Uh, that's the best place to start. Uh, our Twitter feed, um, I think, is at Distal um, or at DGNB. Um, I'm not sure if that's one of the. I, I think either that's our Twitter or that's our Instagram or they're both. Um, but uh, our Twitter feed is pretty active, so so definitely look us up on Twitter. Um, I'm not a great tweeter, but our our agency does quite a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's really the place to look. Um, uh, start with our website, go to Twitter. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, our submission guidelines are on there. Uh, editor bio, uh, sorry, agent bios, um, client list. Um, and uh, if you go to the Illustrator page, you'll see lots of pretty pictures. So, Well, that's incentive right there. Go look at the pretty pictures. You don't want to miss out on that. Yep. Uh, and as always, uh, esteemed audience, you can find out more about the show, more about me, more about uh, literary agents and publishing professionals and anything you'd want to know at middlegradeninja.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MGNinja. Uh, you can download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees if you're going to the library. And really, who's listening to this who's not going to the library? Next time you're there, ask the librarians to stock a copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. You'll read it for free and so will somebody else. Uh, John, if you would, I've been asking our guest to sign us off. Our sign-off phrase is hi-ya and what have you, very ninja-like. Uh, will you sign us off? Uh, hi-ya and what have you. <laughs>